You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello, Giants fans, and welcome to a new edition of the Valentine's News Podcast here on SB Nation Radio, part of your SB Nation family of podcasts. As we begin to move away from the 2022 NFL Draft and toward uh, getting ready for the 2022 season, we've got rookie minicamp coming up this week. We'll have uh, OTAs coming up after that. Training camp will be here before you know it, and then it'll be the regular season, which I think is uh, barely more than three months away. And you know, here to help me talk about uh, about all things Giants is Tom Radoski, a former scouting assistant for the Giants, who uh, who now does some work for Thirty Third Team and for Giants Country, also for New Orleans Dot Football. So, Tom, thank you very, very much for uh, for hopping on. Absolutely, thanks for having me, Ed. Hey, so uh, like I said, you have you have moved out of the scouting life into the into the writing life into 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 my bailiwick here into uh, into content creation. And what I kind of want to do, uh, what I kind of want to do is pull back the curtain a little bit. On, on what scouts do, on what a scouting assistant's life is. Um, you were part of the Giants scouting staff for almost three years, correct? That's correct. And, and you left, basically left last fall. I think it is fall of yeah. 2021. Okay. Yep. I'm really curious because I don't think people know. I don't think fans know, you know, what, what a first of all, what a scouting assistant does, what you know on a day to day basis, what that day is like for you know for a guy in 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 the role that you had. Yeah, so really, I mean, it differs team to team. You know, all teams kind of do it differently. Um, for me, I was mostly on the pro scouting side, so spent most of my time you know doing work in pro scouting. Um, a lot of it beyond scouting is you know. Um, management with players around the building, um, the, the process of, um, you know, releasing players, um, signing players, a lot of stuff with that. Certainly a lot of scouting as well. And, you know, um, my responsibilities progressed, you know, over my time with the Giants. Um, but yeah, no, it was definitely something. It just really depends team to team. Every team does it differently. If you're if you're more focused on the college side, you know, obviously you're going to be out on the road a little bit more, um, you know, going to schools, you know, probably around the area and, and going about it that way. On the pro side, obviously you're primarily in-house, um, helping with the regular season advances uh, and just kind of scouting, you know, players across the league, as well as, as I mentioned, you know, helping with, with player uh, transactions daily around the building. Are you, are you scouting, you know, teams, you know, advance scouting a little bit of, of upcoming opponents or, 
you know, looking at, uh, at, at guys around the league who might be available or doing a little bit of both? Yeah, no, that's a great question. I mean, I think really it, it's all predicated, um, based on the NFL calendar, you know, the cyclical calendar. So you start training camp and the focus once you start training camp is the roster cutdown date. So every team getting to 53, you know, end of August, early September. Um, So as a pro scouting staff at that point, you know, your main responsibility is being responsible for essentially every player around the league that might be released, you know, because you think about the calendar for a pro scouting department, you know, our, our two big events are, um, you know, the roster cutdown date and then free agency. And so with the roster cutdown, again, having knowledge of every player around the league that could get released if they're a fit for that given team. Um, and then and then kind of identifying, you know, that process from there. Um, so that's really the main responsibility during training camp. Um, in addition to, you know, player acquisitions and stuff, as I mentioned. And then once you get into the season, then it really becomes all about advances or mostly about the advances. So, um, you know, creating advanced scouting reports on our up, on the upcoming opponent, um, you know, for that next week. And then also once you get about midway, you know, later the way through the year, then free agency and, and breaking down film on free agents starts to take priority. So it really just kind of depends on what time of year you're looking at. But mm-hmm. but again, 53 cut down is huge. And then once the season starts, it's all, you know, advances and then eventually working towards free agency. You know, you didn't do work on the college side, but I'm sure that you saw a lot of how that uh, how that unfolded. And I'm curious if you can explain what the real difference is for somebody who's working the the pro side versus the college side in, in how you scout players, what you're looking for, what you're looking at in terms of, you know, guys that, that, that you think might be fits for, you know, for your team at some point. Yeah, no. And it's, it's an interesting conversation. I mean, I think that the, the evaluation process of pro players versus college players is, really in some ways a totally different evaluation. And the reason I say that is because obviously when you're scouting players currently in the league, you know, they're kind of a, you watch the film and you know what they are, you know, you see on film what they are, this is what they can do. This is what they have done um, against NFL competition. Whereas you're scouting college players and there's still that next level of projection, you know, how is this player going to project to the pro game? You know, a small school prospect, for example, FCS guy, you know, they haven't maybe haven't played against top notch competition. So you're then again, having to project, all right, how will they be able to play when they step up in class? Um, You know, in the NFL evaluation process, it's really just, okay, this is what this player is. This is what this player has been in the past against other pro teams. So it's a lot. um, I don't want to say it's a lot easier, but it's just, you have a lot clearer of an understanding of, what that player exactly is, what he can do for you, because you've seen him against NFL competition for, you know, X amount of years or X amount of games. Right. You may, you may have to project what his role might be on your particular team, but you don't have to project what his NFL capabilities are basically. Exactly. Yeah, that's exactly right. And, and, you know, the, the one area where you do have to project when you're scouting other pro players is in free agency. Um, you know, because a lot of times 
well, most of the times players get paid in free agency based on what they did the previous year. For the most part, obviously you're looking at a body of work over time, but for the most part, contracts are largely signed in free agency due to that player's most recent play. And understandably so. I mean, that it stands to reason that that's the film that you would watch, obviously, but you do have to project, okay, that, that this player might've played really well last year, but can I count on that? You know, is that something I can count on moving forward if I sign him to a, a big money deal or, you know, maybe what we saw this past year, was that the outlier season, you know? So you, you get some really interesting uh, cases and conversations in free agency because you have to make smart and sound decisions looking to the future. Um, so that free agency is really the time where you do have to project, but even in those instances, at least you're still watching NFL film against NFL players as opposed to college film. And you're having to project how they're going to translate to a whole different level. Yeah, it's interesting. It, it is a whole different, it's a whole different set of, of circumstances, I guess, that, that you're looking at, you know, Tom, what I wanted, another thing I wanted to ask you, and this came up quite a bit for, uh, for us at big blue view during the draft process. Now, you know, there are, there are some really wonderful draft analysts out there. You know, Todd McShay is terrific. Mel Kuyper is terrific. He puts in a lot of time. Daniel Jeremiah has worked in the league and, and knows what he's doing. And, you know, Dane Brugler is a guy that, that I know is, is well-respected. But the, the question that I get all the time is, well, you're, you're telling us that, that NFL teams watch a lot more film and have a lot more resources and, and know a lot more about these players than, than Todd McShay does. And is that really true? And I just want to say this. I think most of these guys putting out draft guides have probably watched three or four games of people's play. I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, because I'm going to ask you to explain the process and just the volume of information. I would have serious doubts if an NFL team would draft a player if they hadn't watched basically every snap of this guy's, at least the last couple of seasons of his play, if not his entire college career and talk to, you know, as many people as they possibly could to get to know something. So I'm just curious if you can talk about the volume of information that's available to an NFL team. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, first of all, obviously all those big time draft analysts, you know, they do a wonderful job with what they have. And a lot of them are very knowledgeable and a lot of them have, you know, scouting background, which is great. Certainly the, the biggest difference, I mean, there is a big difference in volume of information, but, but also just the, the, the ringer that um, the wholesale evaluation process of a player um, goes through. And, and what I mean by that is, you know, so basically the draft process and, and where you rank players on your board and your grades on players, it's a year long process, you know, and it, it goes through multiple different, usually more than multiple different evaluators in that building. So, you know, you have the area scout that obviously is kind of the, the fir- probably the first exposure to that player. Um, you know, so they go out, they see that player live, you know, they write a report on them, but then obviously they keep tabs with them throughout the year to see how they progress. That's obviously crucial, you know, and then, and then at some point, 
the director of college scouting, uh, assistant director of college scouting. They usually watch um, most prospects that have any type of draft grade on them. And then, you know, you even move it up the ladder from there. You know, you talk about director of player personnel, assistant director of player personnel. They're watching uh, pretty much most players with a draft grade on them. And then obviously at that, then at that point, you know, you're talking about assistant GMs and general managers that are also grinding tape on a large number of prospects. So it's just that player is being evaluated by three, four, five different scouts for that given team. And, and you know, the thing be, about... It- it could be more than that. It sounds like you, you get all the way up to the GM and it sounds like you could have six, seven, eight guys who have looked at, you know, at a large volume of, of this guy's film. Yeah, no, that's right. And, and every team does it differently. So certainly it's not uniform one way across the board, but, but yeah, I mean, you're getting all sets of eyes on that player. Um, and then as far as just the volume of information, you know, Obviously, medical background, um, you know, certain events that have happened that have transpired in their time over school there, a player's development. I mean, you know, scout area scouts, you know, they track these players' development from sophomore, junior, senior year, you know, so they're constantly monitoring that. And those are just things that those draft analysts probably aren't able to access or know because they just simply, you know, may not have the time, which is understandable. But, but yeah, no, the, the college evaluation process is very thorough. There's a lot of different opinions. Um, and ultimately, you know, it's going to come down to, you know, one or, or two people's opinions on a player when it's all said and done, but everyone's opinion and everyone's set of eyes that you can get on a player and all that information, it all has, you know, certain value. Oh, I'm sure it does. And, and, you know, you're talking about, you know, we have, uh, we have a guy on our staff, Chris Flum, who does probably 115, prospect profiles is what he did this year and and he does a fantastic job with those but you're talking about looking at whatever available film you can get a hold of and you're talking about three or four games and an impression of 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 the player from you know from that that volume of of whatever you can get your hands on and I think the difference in the NFL is NFL teams and, and correct me if I'm wrong, again, can get their hands on just about any information about a player that they want to get their hands on. Yeah, no, that that's correct. I mean, the, the, the amount of information and the accessibility to it is, you know, certainly wide ranging and, and, you know, heavily available. And teams are using, you know, some of the data services like uh, sports information solutions and pro football focus. And not every team does, but I'm sure, but I know some teams you know, some teams are paying for that kind of data as well, right? That's correct. Yeah. I mean, I I think all teams certainly have access to that and pay for that. And what it really comes down to is what teams decide to utilize it. You know, what teams decide to use it in a strategic way that can only help them. You know, I think like information, it's, it's all, it's all valuable to have, you know, but ultimately what are you going to, what, how are you going to utilize that? You can have information, Mm -hmm. that's fine, but then how are you going to utilize that? And I think all teams, they choose to use different information differently. And of course, that's their prerogative. I'm curious. I hear that. I hear all the time, you know, from, from guys that, that I know, and even from, uh, you know, even from, from general managers and, and, and all of that, you hear, you know, most of the time we don't miss on the talent evaluation. Most of the time we miss on 
player evaluation, the kind of person that a, that a player is. I'm just curious if, you know, you know, if you can, if you can share just some of, you know, how much time gets spent, you know, discussing those kinds of things, not just what you see on film. Yeah, I think as far as I think one thing, at least in my experience, is I think probably the reflection back on how you saw a player then and why you saw a player then and then how he turned out is not something that takes place enough. You know, and I think it's I think it is really important to reflect historically on on why certain players maybe didn't pan out. And, you know, there's there's reasons why players are successful and reasons why they're not successful. And there's a lot of different reasons and factors that go into that. But I, I, I think one thing that would be useful to more NFL teams is, is reflecting back on those things, because I think it just, it just allows you, I, I, I would feel like to have a greater perspective on the wholesale process, you know, and scouting, it's such an imperfect science. I mean, it'll never be, no one will ever have completely figured out scouting. That's, that's never going to happen in the history mm-hmm. of scouting football players. It's just, people are always going to be wrong. Obviously the teams that are wrong less are going to end up being better than the ones that are wrong more, but it's just, it's never something that's going to be perfected. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering, so you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. And, you know, another question, Tom, that I get all the time is it actually applies to the situation that the Giants are in right now. The Giants hired Joe Shane as a new general manager in January. They are just now, as the draft has concluded, I think we all kind of knew, all right, at some point, Joe Shane is going to remake the front office with people that he wants, with people that he's comfortable with, all of that. But that is really just taking place now. And and I get the question all the time of, well, he came in. Why does he spend three months working with working with the existing staff? And 
and I try to explain to people that that you may just be learning about college draft prospects right now, but this is not just midstream, it's way beyond midstream for an NFL scouting staff. So if you can just kind of explain when work actually on free agents and college players actually begins so that people kind of understand, you know, where, where a team is in January or February. Yeah. Yeah. So really, first of all, with the draft, I mean, teams start diving into the following year's drafts really, you know, three, four, five weeks after the, the past draft. Um, so it, it's really at that point when you get to January, it's been, you know, what's that seven, eight months of, of already work on the, on the following draft. And really the, the, the really deep dive and the true grind with college scouting really starts in um, August when, when, you know, area scouts are going out to schools and, and actually starting to see players. Um, but yeah, you, you're already months into the process at that point. And then on the pro side, you know, really free agency evaluating those players starts in, you know, October, November. Um, so at that point you get to January or February and you're, you know, three, four months into that process. So yeah, that's, that's, you know, a new GM coming in after the season. That's, I think a really uh, tough situation. And I think, you know, GMs uh, choose to handle it differently. Obviously, that's their choice. But at that point, yeah, I mean, the staff that, that has been in place has, you know, spent months and months and months acquiring information and, and you know, grinding on on that that content. Yeah, with with all of that said, Tom, let's talk about the the offseason that the Giants have had with a new GM. Um, what are your thoughts just on on what the giants have done this off season, both in free agency with, without, without really any money to spend in free agency, you know, acquiring as many sort of veteran salary benefit players as they possibly could, you know, and, and then in the draft, but let's, let's talk about free agency first. I mean, the pro personnel is, is where you spent your time. So I'm just curious, you know, what, what you thought of, uh, of what the Giants were able to, to accomplish in that area this offseason. Yeah, I mean, I thought um, the direction that obviously the Giants have taken this offseason is, I think, one that is very, very necessary and is much needed for where they're at as a franchise right now. Obviously, it's certainly a, a, a reset, you know, rebuild type mindset, whatever, whatever word you want to or phrase you want to use for it. But I do think I do think they've done a nice job. I thought they made some good, um, you know, kind of lower cost signings. I thought Mark Lewinsky, Ricky Seals Jones. I think those are good guys to get on cheaper deals. Um, and yeah, obviously the the main thing that you know they set out to establish through free agency this year is more flexibility salary cap wise for future years. And and I, I think they've done that. I think they're starting to do that. Um, so yeah, certainly there was, again, there's a clear direction there right now to kind of reset, retool, uh, again, whatever word you want to use for it. And I, I think they did that effectively in free agency, certainly. Right. And when it comes to the draft, they ended up with 11 picks and I think people get caught up on, well, they should have picked this guy over that guy and they shouldn't have picked this guy in the second round. Or they should have picked him in the third round and, and all of that. And, and, and I try not to get into that. I look at it and I was impressed by what Joe did because you say, Oh, it was easy to, to pick the first, the two guys in the, you know, at five and seven, but we've seen teams screw that up before. (laughs) And, and I was impressed by the fact that 
I think he had an idea of what he wanted to do. He had, and, and he had more needs than he probably, you know, than, than he probably would have liked to have had. But I thought that, that he was able to, to address needs throughout the draft, you know, mostly without reaching for players. And I thought he had a plan, you know, which was trade back a little bit, add some picks, add some depth to the roster. And, you know, we can argue about the picks, but I thought the process and the plan was a good one. Yeah, no, I, and I think that's totally fair. I mean, you know, having those two first round picks be uh, that high and also only two picks apart, five and seven, that's a really unique situation. You know, there's not a lot of uh, scenarios you roll through or, or even instances in historically where you see a team have two first round picks, only two picks apart. And obviously in that situation, you know, you want to come away with two great players. I think they did that. Obviously at two key positions of need. I think one thing that, you know, uh, could have been really beneficial is um, have, being able to trade back and maybe get a, a first for next year now. But certainly that that's just an idea on the surface that you can say that. But, you know, I, it, with all trades, I mean, it, it takes two to tango. You know, you can't um, you can't just have the idea of trading back and just do it. Obviously, there's got to be a trade partner. They've got to meet your your compensation needs and whatnot. So that would have been great. But I think, you know, obviously, um, you know, Joe Shane didn't feel like the the offers necessarily were there and and ultimately stayed put and took two great players. And then uh, in the later rounds. Yeah, I mean, I think all those all those players met, you know, positions of need. And, and, you know, at that point, you're just trying to get good quality players that you have a clear vision for to progress within your program. And I think certainly you have to trust that, you know, they were ultimately able to do that. Yeah. And I think, you know, people will look at it and people will say, oh, well, the consensus draft board says that one Dale Robinson was a third round pick. And the consensus draft board says that, uh, you know, that, that Marcus McKellar was probably a free agent or, or whatever. And I think that, you know, you've been privy more to those conversations. And a lot of times it comes down to, you know, NFL teams, the giants, whoever, they don't care what the consensus big board says. They care more about their own evaluation. And I think, as you said, do they have a clear vision for how to use that player? And I think that's the piece that people don't really understand is, is the vision that teams have for those players. Right. Right. And, and also I think at the end of the day, what that comes down to is conviction. You know, if you, if you feel a player is, is really going to be that effective for you and you really want that player that badly because he fits, you know, this role or that role, or um, you just really believe in a guy, you know, at the end of the day, you're, you're not going to play any games, you know, you're going to do whatever it takes to acquire that player. And even if it is maybe a slight, you know, reach per se in the perception of others, um, you know, I, I think with the Wandale Robinson pick, you know, um, most people in that, in that draft room were probably ecstatic when they turned that card in. Yeah. It's also, possible they weren't but I think a lot of them probably were and ultimately they had a um, you know Joe Shane uh, had a conviction on that player and he made that pick and I think that's obviously we'll, we'll see how it plays out over time is that the most interesting pick in the draft for you for as far as uh, you know from a Giants perspective is the Giants going to Robinson at that point yeah probably probably just because you look at what's currently on the roster um, and yeah that was a very interesting selection I'm, I'm not saying it was a bad one though at all I mean I think 
um, you can absolutely never have enough explosive playmakers. That is, I mean, no team around the league is, is going and saying we have too many explosive playmakers. We need to get rid of them. Um, so <laughs> I think, you know, that's never yeah. something you hear. So no, I, I think it's that pick did surprise me a little bit, but not necessarily in a bad way, just in maybe wasn't expecting, you know, them to go that route there. I'll, I'll be honest with you. I mean, I was, if the giants were going to go wide receiver there, I was kind of expecting sky more, but yeah, but you know, what do I know? <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I, you get, I, and I, I think people, people spend so much time preparing and talking about the draft. I think they get, they, they, they get married to players. I think, you know, just through the process and, and, uh, but I do think, I do think it was interesting to see how the giants approached it. Um, you know, we've got rookie mini camp coming up. I'm just curious if you're, uh, if you're optimistic about the direction that the giants are headed in. Yeah, I think, um, the immediate direction, you know, um, no, I mean, I think certainly this season figures to probably not be a very fruitful one, but you know, you never know in this league. I mean, you know, you get a couple of breaks and you have a really good coaching staff come in and you could certainly outperform, um, you know, maybe what others expect. So I, I think this year they certainly might take their lumps, but I think there's, you know, the Joe Shane has put in a lot of good initiatives here moving forward. You know, it's certainly a long-term process, a long-term, you know, kind of retool, and so I think, um, yeah, I think he's got a plan. I think he's he's starting to execute that. Obviously, the next few years are going to ultimately, you know, kind of be the deciding factor. Um, but but I think just looking at the roster where they're at, you know, this year may not be the most fruitful one, um, you know, in recent memory. But you know, I think it's it's a direction that's been needed, you know, for the franchise. So I, I don't I don't think it's a bad direction they're taking at all. It makes a lot of sense to me, and I think it's been much needed. All right, Tom, thank you very, very much for a few minutes. Before I let you go, why don't you just tell folks uh, you, where they can find you on social media, where they can find your your written work as well. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter um, at trudy831, uh, at trudy831, and then also the 33rd team, um, giantscountry.com, and then neworleans.football will be a few, few publications that I, uh, I do some work for. All right, Tom, thanks again. Hopefully, uh, hopefully we can get you to, uh, to come back on maybe somewhere around training camp. And uh, Giants fans, thank you as always for listening. Please remember to subscribe to Big Blue View Radio wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you as always for listening. Take care of each other, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Claude 3 from Anthropic is your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. With models at every point of the price-performance curve, you no longer have to make trade-offs between intelligence, speed, and cost. Claude 3 Opus sets new industry benchmarks for intelligence. Sonnet strikes the perfect balance between skill and speed. And Haiku is the fastest and lowest-cost model on the market, perfectly designed for high-volume, high-speed use cases. Join the thousands of enterprises who use Anthropic to navigate this new frontier. Visit anthropic.com slash Claude, C-L-A-U-D-E, today. Jumpstart your genius with Claude 3 by Anthropic. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.